Hi, and welcome to episode 26 of the Ask Mr. DNS podcast. This is Cricket Lou, one of your co-hosts, along with... Hi, this is Matt Larson. And we're back. Uh, I think... Yes, <laughs> for our Christmas episode. That's right, and it, and it is December 22nd. This is just about as, as close as we could possibly record to Christmas without getting um, a lot of blowback from our spouses and families, I think, right? Yeah, I, I suppose I could... Uh... We could have recorded one Christmas Eve, and then I could have gone off to play the organ for the uh, 5 o'clock church service. Yeah. One of these days you'll have to do a little organ recital for the podcast listeners. Yeah. Or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, a, it's, it's a talent I don't have. I'm not going to do anything musical for them. I have to say, uh, playing a 5 o'clock service and then a 9 p.m. service, it makes it challenging to fit Christmas dinner in there. Ooh. Yeah, that is tough. It'll be the uh, the express Christmas dinner. Yes, I think I think so. And to make things even more exciting, we've got my wife's family visiting. Are, are they going to come to either or both of the performances? I hope so. Yeah, I would imagine they'd come. Well, they'd probably come to one of them, right? I think I'm not. I'm not sure yet. It depends this on is, their level of dedication. Yeah. One uh, one year at another church, we I want to say it was five, seven, and nine. Oh. It was awful. That's the only year we've ever we've ever done that. Yeah, yeah. No, I would think we've got a, a webcast coming up in late January that we're doing. Uh, I'm hosting it, but one of my team members, Tom, is is delivering most of the content. And the last time we did it, we we flew out to um, Washington D.C. and broadcasted out of the St. Regis Hotel uh, in the district, so that we could do it really early in the morning East Coast time and pick up. Uh, the Middle East and, and Africa and so on. So it was sort of during their normal day. But it made it very, very early. Um, East Coast time, 6 or 6.30 a.m., I think. And this time we're not going to travel. We're actually going to go, uh, we're going to do it from San Jose, but it means the, the broadcast, in order to hit the right time <laughs> in the Middle East and in Africa, the, the broadcast is at either 3 or 3.30 in the morning. Oh, that'll be fun in its own way, just to have done something like that once. Yeah, well, then, and we've got to do it again, like six hours later. Well, shall we go to the mailbag after our uh, customary introductory remarks? <laughs> I think we should. All right. Do you have, do you have the mailbag there in, in, in Bethesda, or do I have it here? Uh, it looks like I have it here. There we go. All right, very good. Oh. I'm, I, I forgot. I'm, I, <laughs> I was going to say, uh, you've got dead the, air, you've got dead the air. mailbag. <laughs> I thought for a moment, I thought I was just, I didn't realize, I thought I, I didn't realize I had the mailbag, but I have the mailbag. Yes, I get it. That's right. All right. So here we go. Uh, this is from a guy named Ed Horley, uh, whom you said you know. That's right. That's right. Ed is um, the, the chair of the California IPV, IPV6 task force, and he's a very nice guy. All right. So Ed writes, Cricket and Matt, thought I would ask a quick question on implementation of DNSSEC with NAT64. Specifically, I am curious how DNSSEC is or is not impacted by the function of a NAT64 solution in IPv6 deployments. I have some thoughts on how I think it should behave, but could you take a moment and walk through how DNSSEC would function across a NAT64 solution and if there are any potential issues that might come up in doing this for deployment? And then he nicely adds, I enjoy the podcast. Kudos to you both for taking the effort to put it together. 
Ed, is, Ed has pierced the veil. He's referring to us as Cricket and Matt and not as Mr. DNS. I guess so. Yeah, yeah, he's figured us out. Well, I, I guess I should probably start by talking a little bit about what NAT64 and DNS64, which is a sort of companion technology, are. Uh, these are technologies that are used when you have uh, a client um, laptop, handset, something like that, that only has IPv6 connectivity, and you want it to be able to communicate with an IPv4 device, like a website, for example, that you want to go to. Um, of course, there's no way uh, to do that directly because there's no sort of natural compatibility between IPv4 and IPv6. Um, so what happens is you have your, let's say, your uh, laptop configure to query a local recursive name server that supports the special DNS64 function. And it sends a query to that local recursive name server when you type into your web browser, say, you know, www.google.com. Uh, it'll send a query for a quad A record because it only has IPv6 connectivity. It can't ask for an A record because it couldn't do anything if it got a, a response back. Um, the recursive name server uh, goes ahead and asks the authoritative name server for google.com for a quad A record. And unless you're in Google's whitelist, you won't get a response that includes an A record. You'll get a response that says there are no A records for www.google.com. Uh, you mean uh, quad A, I think. I'm sorry, no you're quad right. A records. Yeah, quad A records. So um, this is actually where the behavior of the DNS64 capable name server diverges from what a normal name server would do. It, it spontaneously goes back to the google.com name server and says, okay, but what about an A record for www.google.com? And of course, there is an A record, um, but you can't return that directly to the client. The client isn't expecting that. The client can't use an A record. So what the DNS64 function does is it, it extracts the 32-bit IPv4 address. It tacks it on to the end of a 96-bit prefix um, and synthesizes an IPv6 address and then returns that to the querier in a quad A record. And so as far as the client knows, as far as your laptop knows, oh, look, www.google.com did have an IPv6 address. It did have a quad A record. And you try to connect there. Lo and behold, that 96-bit prefix actually uh, maps you over to a NAT64 device, which is like a protocol translator or a proxy, if you will. And it has both IPv4 and IPv6 connectivity. So you can connect through it out to the IPv4 instance of www.google.com, and it can grab whatever web content you want and then copy it back to you. So uh, you sort of transparently get redirected to this uh, protocol translator and you go to the, the website, and, and uh, the traffic comes back to you via the protocol translator. Does that make yeah, sense? That makes sense to me. I, I think the important point is that there are really two things going on here. There's the, I mean, the fundamental thing is NAT64, where when traffic is routed to it by virtue of that 96-bit prefix, it extracts the uh, low 32 bits and knows which v4 address to connect to and does the proxying. Exactly. But but the only way somebody, well, not the only way, but the, the usual way that someone is going to know to send traffic to one of those special V6 uh, addresses is by querying a DNS64 name server, DNS64 capable name server. That's right. That's right. And, and that's sort of the magic of this is that the name server handles all of the redirection. You don't have to have any special client software. You don't have to have any proxy configuration on the client. It all happens on... Uh, the recursive name server. But 
if you think about it, what the recursive name server is really doing is lying, right? It's telling you that an, uh, a quad A record exists for a domain name that does not, in fact, own a quad A record in real life. It is synthesizing a record. Yes. <laughs> synthesizing is a nice euphemistic way of putting it. But um, I think what Ed's pointing out is that if you were trying to do DNSSEC, let's say that the zone that contained the name of the web server was signed using DNSSEC, and you were trying to do some validation of that uh, signed data on the other side of the DNSSEC4 name server, wouldn't that cause a problem? Wouldn't that cause the validation to fail? And in fact, it would, um, because in real life, that zone does not contain um, that, that zone does not contain any uh, quad A record for that particular domain name. Right, so to, to use your specific example, if google.com is signed, uh, there's a signed A record for google.com, almost certainly. That's right. Uh, and that Google signed that and has, uh, has their signature on it, it validates, but if this recursive name server is uh, synthesizing a quad A <laughs> record, you know, it can't possibly have Google's signature on it you know what? What you would need is Google to to put a quad A record in, and and sign that. But of course, this quad A record is different from everyone's perspe perspective, depending on which NAT64 translator they're going to use. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So, um, you know, you you would hypothetically cause a problem. The the issue is mitigated somewhat by the fact that really most people aren't doing DNSSEC validation on the other side of one of these DNS64 boxes. You know, the stuff on the other side that's actually sending queries, these are things that only have stub DNS resolvers, like like handsets and laptops and things like that. And most normal people don't run validating recursive name servers on their laptops. Note the right. qualification nope. of normal. Yes. <laughs> uh, and nor is there a widely deployed uh, stub resolver code out there that does its own validation. That's right. And if there were, then, then this would not be uh, probably nearly as viable a solution, right? If, if many, many popular stub resolvers did their own DNSSEC validation, then you really couldn't even use this. Well, and, and if, of course, more zones were signed. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I, I think that's where we need to head. I think we need validation on the, on the client so that there can be a tighter interaction between the application and DNSSEC and the whole rest of DNS for that matter. Yeah, I, I think that would really that would really provide a lot of benefit. And then you also wouldn't have to trust that that last mile between the stub resolver and the recursive name server, right? Exactly. That's that's the real irony of the current DNSSEC deployment is that we're spending, you know, relatively speaking, all this time and effort to deploy DNSSEC, but the protection effectively stops at the recursive name server and that, as you called it, the last mile, the path between recursive and the stub that the end client you know, iPhone, Mac, whatever, you know, that's completely unsecured. If there's a bad guy there spoofing replies, you know, you lose. Exactly. You're toast and you have no way of, of, of detecting it, even though this, you know, relatively administratively intensive DNSSEC stuff is going on in the back end. Well, we can only solve one problem at a time. That's right. That's right. That's that's maybe next up. Okay. Well, shall we, uh, shall we move on to the next question then? Let's do... All right. Well, this one comes from uh, David Dunleap, uh, who is uh, actually a friend, works uh, in, at, for the Children's Hospital, I think, in, in Minnesota. 
Um, he says, Dear I Mr. DNS. See he runs the, the, I can't help but comment that he runs the Dunleap Institute, yes. according to his email address. <laughs> I, I ought to start, start my own institute, too. Of course, we, for all we know, it is a real institute, right? Yeah, he might be having the last laugh. Exactly, exactly. So he says, uh, Dear Mr. DNS, recently while troubleshooting what appeared to be a firewall slash WebSense issue, page cannot be displayed, I discovered an embedded link in the URL being used. And it uh, looks like the domain name in the URL was portal.carlsonwagonlit.com. Um, and he says uh, that domain name was a C name referencing another domain name, e4737.b.akamaiedge.net. And uh, the A record for that, akamaiedge.net, uh, had a TTL of 20 seconds, and it changes dynamically in that interval. He says, my question is what mechanism might be employed to make this dynamic change, and is this a type of load balancing or redundancy that attempts to outdo round robin? Is this technique used often? I haven't seen it before, but wasn't looking for it either. Well, this is a content delivery network or a CDN. Uh, I think Akamai was basically the, the first of these, weren't they? It, it's was the first, doing one that, that? first one that I know of anyway. Yeah, Yeah. now, now there are others, but Akamai uh, remains the largest of them. And uh, so the particular content on the website that uh, David was looking at was Akamized. I remember back in the Acme Bite and Wire days, we did some uh, some training for them. We we both, I think we both did, but it, never never there together, I don't think. Yeah, I think you did... Didn't you do two training uh, sessions for them in Cambridge, and and maybe I did, or you did San Mateo and I did Cambridge? I don't remember. No, I, I definitely I, it was Cambridge for sure. Okay, okay. Because I remember the first time I tried to drive, and the second time I thought I'm not doing that again. And I, you know, <laughs> and I will drive just about anywhere, but uh, I just got so the big dig was going on, and I was just mm-hmm. so desperately lost. Were you trying so. to? Were you trying to? You didn't try to drive from the D.C. area to Cambridge. You're just talking about driving from, like, Logan to Cambridge. No, just Logan to Cambridge yeah. was a challenge. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't drive in Cambridge either. <laughs> yeah, but uh, so so the way uh, a content delivery network works is uh, the idea is, let's say you've got relatively large, largest content on your website that you want to deliver, uh, audio, video, uh, big zip files full of software or whatever it is we put software in these days, DMGs or whatever. <laughs> um, I'm dating myself, aren't I? Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> yeah. If you, right, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, they're stuffed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, don't, don't start with me. You remember Shell Archives? Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 We'll just char that up. Yeah. Oh, those were the good old days, weren't they? I can hear the modem in the background. Um, so... No, so so let's say you've got these uh, got these big files. Well, y- you really probably don't want to put them on your website because let's say your website's only in one location and you've only got so much bandwidth. Mm-hmm. So if a bunch of people want to get these files, why you know they'll swamp your web server, swamp your bandwidth, and uh, you have to pay for all that as well. Uh, and what a CDN does is it says, well, why don't we take that content for you and we'll distribute it all over, and then we will ensure that when people query for it they don't come to your web web server they come to ours yep and different cdns work differently the way alchemize does is as you've discovered um you you c name content uh or you, you c name domain names to 
other names. And then Akamai, do, they do these very clever DNS tricks where they look at where you're coming from and they try to tell from the recursive server that's querying them which one of their web servers would be closest to you. Or caches, then, really, right? Because or, they're, we, they're sort of general. Correct, yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a cache, yeah, exactly. Which one of their caches is closest to you and they return that IP? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and, and at one point, I remember they were using... Um, uh, homegrown special DNS implementation to do that, uh, something called Ghost, right? Yes, and I think even when we were talking to them, they had multiple different implementations going on. Yeah, yeah, that's not a function of a of a standard bind or Microsoft DNS server, for example. It's something that you, you need to have you need to have some some special software or some special hardware in order in order to support. Right, and I'm sure they have very, very detailed network maps that are changing all the time from multiple input input sources to determine uh, where people are to know. Oh, yes, this this particular block of addresses we've discovered. Ah, it's really closest to this cache over here, mm -hmm. and, and and so on for you know the entire internet. Right, right. So, so in this particular case, um, you know what David saw is he saw a, a, Car a Carlson Wagonlet portal. Car uh, Carlson Wagonlet is a, a travel management company, I think, aren't they? Uh, yeah, that's not, I think so. Yeah, and, and probably that they wanted that portal's content moved all over the you know all over the globe, and so they had created that C name to some domain name that Akamai managed, and then that A record with the TTL of only twenty seconds that was always changing. Um, basically, they want to make sure that that the the A record can't live in your cache for very long because course the state of the backend server can change even though you may be closest to that particular server the server could go down um, you could suddenly get a big influx of a lot of clients and that backend server could get very busy and you might want to direct new clients somewhere else and so you keep that ttl low right right so it, it is a form of load balancing as well i'm sure akamai does does load balancing in, in, in addition so in other words not only do they send you to the cache that's closest, but they probably send you to the group of caches that's closest and the one that's least loaded at the time they give the answer. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. For those of you guys who have, you know, load balancing, DNS-based load balancing uh, devices, you know, like an F5 GTM or, uh, you know, an A10 uh, DNS-based load balancer, this is like the same sort of thing, except it's, as they say, in the cloud, right? Yes, which means it's much cooler. <laughs> yeah very much cooler and you should pay more for it all right well do we have time for uh, one more i think we do it you know what this last one is a christmas present to our listeners okay that sounded more lame than i intended it to sound <laughs> all right so uh let's see i'll i'll read it uh so this is from victor tran who's just one of the many millions of people at gmail we don't know anything more about him no nope. Uh, so Victor says, uh, hi, Mr. DNS. I'm trying to sign zones on my authoritative by nine name server. I was wondering if you knew of any restrictions, either DNSSEC or bind related, that would prevent me from serving both signed and unsigned zones on the same name server. Thanks and regards, Victor. Well, that's, uh, that's a Christmas present to us, too, because that's an easy one to answer, right? It is. Yeah. The answer is, you want to answer, you should answer it since I read the question. Oh, okay. Well, I... The answer is is no. You can have you can have a mix of signed and unsigned zones on the same bind name server, and there's certainly nothing in DNSSEC that would prevent you from doing that either, right? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. So that's a that's certainly a good thing. You're not forced to 
to go all at once. If you've, uh, you've got the misfortune to manage tens of thousands of zones, you don't have to sign them all at the same time. Um, and of course, you may have different reasons to sign different zones. You, it, it may be more compelling to sign one zone because its parent zone is signed. Right, or you just want to do a slow roll. You know, you probably don't want to do a big bang and sign all your zones at once. We've seen that uh, multiple times with enterprises. You know, they'll sort of dip their toe in the water with mm -hmm. some <laughs> some sacrificial zones that they, you know, maybe don't mind as much if, if something happens in the process of rolling it out and getting used to doing DNSSEC. Sure. I mean, when, when I was talking more about DNSSEC, uh, probably last year, the, the year before, I was recommending that people use one of their sort of lesser known vanity zones or register a new zone uh, just to, to be able to experiment with uh, DNSSEC and to gain some firsthand experience with uh, DNSSEC operations. All right. I think if we try to say more about that, we'll be sorry. <laughs> I think you're because I don't think there's anything more to say. Yeah, we've we've beat that one, I think, uh, into submission as you as you like to say. Yeah. So well, we uh, we talked about what I'm doing for Christmas. What are, what are you doing? Not not a lot. You know, um, Paige and I took a long weekend last weekend. We took four days um, to celebrate our anniversary, which was yesterday, as a matter of fact. Oh, and it's a big one this year, isn't it? Yeah, it was. It was twenty. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. So that's. Uh, that was a, a big, big milestone for us. I, I don't want to make it sound like we barely made it, but <laughs> it's a big milestone yeah, we, for anybody. <laughs> we were all wondering about you too, all this time. <laughs> yeah, we had a very nice time down in um, down in uh, Paso Robles, uh, which is sort of central California coast wine country, and uh, a very, very pretty area. Lots of wineries. Um, stayed in a very nice hotel down there called the Hotel Cheval which we've been meaning to stay at for a long time. So I think... So oh, go ahead. Not going anywhere? Oh, you're not going anywhere then? No, no, we'll be, we'll be at home. Um, we've actually got, believe it or not, on uh, Tuesday the 27th, we've got a dry run of that, of that live event. So I'll be off next week, except I have to come in on Tuesday for the, the dry run. I, I'm actually going in on uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, because I don't know. It's just, that'd be a lot of time off, frankly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just like... Yeah. And, uh, oh, and Ver Verisign has a shiny new building in Reston. I heard that you guys moved. It, it's yeah. not in the, the Ridgetop area anymore? No, no. We moved, we moved out of those buildings that, that you had visited. It's uh, this, you know, for, for anyone uh, listening who knows the uh, D.C. area, this is Reston Town Center, which is this, uh, well, Reston itself is a planned community, which means there's this master plan where they carefully lay out where there's residential and where there's... Uh, commercial and they have mixed use uh that's not quite the right term is it what was it when you had well is that right when you have like apartments and yeah townhomes yeah. and single family homes and yeah mixed and, use and, is fine okay and and then the other thing about reston is is that that's planned is the town center so it's it's like and it was developed relatively quickly it's like all of a sudden boom here's like this this artificial downtown and it's actually you know it's it's a nice enough place it's uh, there's there's a lot of parking Mm -hmm. And you can walk around and a bunch of restaurants. And so uh, Verisign's building is just like one block off. The, it's essentially adjacent to town center. It's right right off the Dulles Toll Road. It's a eight-story building that used to be Sally May's headquarters. And now it's Verisign's. That's great. That's great. And I like that area. There, there were always a lot of uh, restaurants in Reston. Uh, I remember when I, I used to go out there when I was working for Verisign. Sometimes we'd stay in the Reston area. And 
it was always a nicer selection of places to eat. Oh, absolutely, yeah. However, we haven't been out, well, okay, we've only been in the building a couple of weeks, but they have a cafeteria, which nobody hardly knows how to behave. It's, it's, and it's pretty good, too. So that's, that's really changes things to not have to get in your car just to go get a sandwich or a coffee. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's sort of a double-edged sword, isn't it? Now you have, uh, you have a, a nicer neighborhood, I would say, a nicer neighborhood, and more options for eating out, but, but maybe uh, a, a, a cafeteria, which might compel you to eat in more. Who knows? Yeah. That didn't stop us from walking to Morton's the other day. <laughs> for lunch? Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's, a, that's so, a big lunch. All right. Well, I think we better better wind this thing up. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Well, so as always, thank you for listening. Uh, please do continue to send us your questions. The mailbag is, I don't know, it's really, it's pretty empty right now in it all is. seriousness. There's, mm-hmm. we, we, we've, we've run it down. So please send your questions to Mr. DNS at AskMrDNS. That's MRDNS at Ask-MrDNS.com. So thanks very much, and talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.